at a time. Hey guys, so as you may know, Sierra and I use uh, Anchor to record our podcast. It's really the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free. They also provide you with creation tools, which allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your cell phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. The best part is that you can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Just make sure you download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey everyone, I'm your co-host Sierra. And I'm your co-host Daniela. Welcome to Making Sense of Success a podcast dedicated to finding the meaning of success and empowerment. Stay tuned every Saturday for new episodes. Find us on Instagram at makingsenseofsuccess.pod. Feel free to email us at makingsenseofsuccess at gmail.com if you would be interested in sharing your story of success and empowerment. Today we are interviewing Abrina Selvaraja, who is a student activist who critiques policy in academia from an anti-colonial and feminist resistance perspective. Her research interests include refugee and foreign worker rights, female power and resistance movements, and her homeland, Thamal LM. She's an MA candidate in the Social Justice Education Program at the University of Toronto. Uh, Aberna advocates for the recognition of human rights abuses committed against Thamal people in Sri Lanka through her work organizing and working with the People for Equality and Relief, Lanka as well as delivering a presentation on the Sri Lankan ethnic war and the Tamil uh, genocide to IRCC colleagues during her co-op term there. Aruna served as the president of the University of Ottawa Model UN Association from 2018 to 2019. For two years prior, she worked as the vice president of delegate training She has worked with several Canadian government departments, including CERNAC, PCO, and IRCC, to develop insight into the importance of human rights-centered policymaking. To this end, she advocates for the rights of Somali communities and marginalized women in all settings, but particularly on the issue of refugee rights and colonial debt. Last semester, Aruna was the head delegate of the Youth Diplomats of Canada delegation to the 2019 World Trade Organization Public Forum held in Geneva, Switzerland. There, she spoke to representatives and directors on the importance of gender equity in trade and acknowledging the neo-colonial roots of regulation-based trade systems. Aruna's value community building in Ottawa and beyond through, in her work, facilitating anti-oppression training sessions as a director of Equity for Ally Squared, a nonprofit aimed at starting discussions on informed and action-based allyship. She can be found on most social media, and that'll be mentioned more to the end of the podcast, and is always ready to chat. If you wanted to give us like a quick little one-minute bio about yourself that just lets the listeners know who you are and what you stand for before we get into any of the other questions. Yeah. Um, my name is Aberna Salvaraja. I am a master's student entering um, my first year in the social justice education program at UFT, the University of Toronto in Canada. And um, I just completed my bachelor's, my bachelor's degree at um, the University of Ottawa in political science and history. I'm a student activist, researcher, and a community organizer. And I've worked with 
several uh, organizations throughout my undergrad to advance the rights of female power and resistance movements, um, to talk about justice and accountability as it falls within my peoples, uh, the Tamil people from Tamilulam. And I'm also working as a researcher with a professor right now and seek to seek to develop, uh, seek to find community building opportunities within my community in Ottawa. And now I've moved back home, back home in Brampton. So seeking virtual ways to connect with those that are also looking for opportunities to invest in themselves and invest in those around them. Uh, some causes that I'm extremely passionate about include, as I mentioned earlier, um, female power and resistance movements, refugee and foreign worker rights, and also the power of storytelling and how it helps us um, understand the communities that we are a part of and understand the stories of our ancestors and the way that we carry them forward into future generations. I'm so that's sorry. That's so awesome. No, that's so yeah. awesome. I love that. That's great. Thank you. So, so yeah, thank you for sharing all that about you. Um, just to get into like the podcast and everything, we're going to start with a few like little, I guess, icebreaker questions. Um, Cause we like to get to know our guests a little bit more. Um, so I guess maybe the first one we'll start out with since this podcast is really talking about success and people's perse- perspectives on defining success would be, what does success mean to you? It's interesting that we talk about success right now because uh, my family is a huge, huge foundation of the way that I look at success and the way that I look at um, my ability to like, not necessarily bring success in my life, but understand how success, the definition of the word success has manifested through different generations. Um, And so for me, if I were to define success, it would very much be uh, a a gray area because I think that um, personally, my ability to be able to um, work towards a uh, justice-centered approach to activism, an equity-centered approach to activism, and also be able to continuously learn and grow um, in my career is what defines my ability to be a successful um, person in general. Also, um, beyond that, my ability to grow um, my my ability to grow. Uh, like empathy and compassion and like nurture that within myself is also a characteristic that I would use to, to define success. I also think that it's like very difficult to define it as a singular person, because as um, a child of immigrants, uh, success for a really long time, child of refugees and immigrants, honestly, it's uh, for a long time success meant um, for my parents, at least being able to find like uh, stability um, and, now I'm privileged enough to have that stability. And it's really about what I'm able to accomplish with that stability. And in my opinion, um, using that space and that privilege given to us to advocate for and raise awareness for those that are not necessarily able to find themselves in that place is what ultimately success looks like. Um, my role models have honestly always been my father and my mother who have been able to, um, come from very difficult circumstances and create a loving and beautiful home for us. And that being able to 
know what that feels like and want that for those around me, I think um, is a huge driver for what I seek. <laughs> well, I love that because it's such a, I feel like it's such a full definition in itself and you had such a variety of pieces that pieced it together. And mm-hmm. it seemed really personal to you as well, which is nice. Like you characterized it like based on your experiences and what you want to accomplish in the future, your path and your journey and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thank really you. No, that. that was really great. I'm inspired really. <laughs> oh, thank you. It was also nice that you like made it to sound like, you know, it's really hard to define success in like your own way. Like it's honestly really hard to define success when you're just being asked and you haven't had like, a ton of time to, you know, take into consideration what that meant, you know, it's really hard. Exactly. And it's like, success, it's not this like, ideal that you can reach, and then you've achieved everything you want in your life. Success is something that manifests over time. It's a goal that you achieve, then it grows into like, a a career, then it grows into other like personal goals that you have for yourself. And I just like, uh, thinking that I'm successful right now, I, I don't think so because I still have so many opportunities to grow and connect with those around me. Um, but at the same time, like I, I see success manifesting in different ways around me, like witnessing, um, uh, witnessing like young children grow up and you know be able to like walk or talk or all that stuff. That's like some small successes for them. So to me, it's like, I mean during quarantine time being able to like for you guys being able to put together a podcast during the pandemic that we're all in right now that's a sign of success you know so as young women I think that we should just celebrate everyone's successes all young women's successes everywhere all the time you guys it's true <laughs> though and I think successes grow like with you throughout your life like every as you're saying right kind of like different stages of life as you're saying like younger children will have certain successes but then like maybe people around like our age age range will have other successes whether that be completing a degree or maybe starting a youtube channel or starting a podcast like this or maybe even just advocating for current issues that are really important and that need people to advocate for them in this time and age yeah I agree. I agree. It's like, yeah. I agree. I do a lot of reflecting during the podcast, mm-hmm. like a ton. So if you just see me staring off into space, do not feel alarmed. Daniela <laughs> loves okay. it. Like, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm just like, yes, let's do this. I love what everybody is saying. Um, so don't feel alarmed. I'm always listening. <laughs> it's just, it's nice with the podcast because. Um, I think listeners will be able to take a lot away from different perspectives, uh, like especially yours as well. Like your your definition of success was really encompassing, and I I found it covered everything really well. Um, and also, yeah, even for us, like Sierra, when she reflects or when I think about things, there's things that you can take into your daily life, which is awesome. Um, so maybe we want to ask you, what's the best advice you've ever received or given from someone, or given to someone? Sorry. <laughs> uh Honestly, the first thing that comes to mind is um, I used to be, I'm going to sound like such a nerd, but I used to be on student <laughs> council in grade 10. Oh, that's fine. That's good. I, I thought I thought I was on top of the world. I was like, yeah, that's right. I'm grade 10 representative. We're, <laughs> we're killing this. And then I lost the election for a grade 11, like spirit advisor or something. Aww. 
high school. And up until that point, like, imagine kids get used to this at a very young age, but like failure to me felt like the end of the world. I felt like I was just going to break down and cry out of nowhere. And um, on the car ride back, my dad was looking at me and it was like, um, he, he looks over and he's like, you know, I'm glad you lost the election. And I was like, <laughs> sir, and oh was like, yeah. it's important that you know what failure feels like and that, you know, it's going to be okay after this. And I know that's a very like basic lesson for people to get a basic piece of advice, like know what failure looks like, but the, the ups and downs I've had in this undergrad, mostly down several ups, but mostly down. <laughs> has been like less of a groundbreaking emotional experience because failure is completely okay within your journey to be able to, um, to be able to accomplish what you set to achieve, you know? Um, And a lot of times uh, knowing that has also helped me become a better learner, um, has helped me understand where to invest my time, um, how much research I need to do on a specific subject so that I don't end up like um, running into it and obviously ultimately failing because you don't have enough knowledge. Being okay with failure is the first step in so many of the these like important life lessons you're going to learn. And it's not like I just admitted that to myself and I'm like completely perfect today. Um, but I think that that was the first foundational piece of advice that I had received that had helped me become more okay with um, receiving criticism and learning and being able to grow from that. It's something I would definitely pass on to, to uh, younger generations. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's great that you like got it from someone who's like um, a very important figure in your life. Like you're, it's your father, as you said. So I think it probably meant a lot to you to hear that from someone so important and so involved in your life, especially Mm -hmm. moving forward to give you like that basis. So it kind of, I think it probably helped you as a person, like in terms of growing and everything and something like university where you experience quite a few like changes in life and yeah, some hardships for sure. Yeah, definitely probably helped. Wow. Knowing that like, it's inevitable that everybody fails. What in your daily routine, like, helps you, like, avoid, like, the worst failure, I Um, guess? Like, what do you do that, like, sets you up for success every day? uh, I don't know if it's more of an everyday commitment as it is just, like, a lifelong commitment to learn. Um, I'm very much involved in the Tamil activism space, and I have been for the past two years, but two years prior, no, three years prior to that, I spent researching. Like my co-op terms that I would do at the government, I would like spend my lunch breaks and every day after I came back home from work, just researching on the Tamil cause, reading paper after paper, learning as much as I could um, and engaging and talking to as many activists as I could before I found like, I don't want to say niche, more like uh, before I found how best my skills can be um, used or my voice can be used to create activism or awareness around the Tamil cause. Um, And so uh, to me, it was more of like a lifelong commitment to learning because you cannot just immerse yourself in a leadership opportunity or in a activity or an extracurricular or an advocacy concern 
um, without sufficient enough knowledge beforehand. And it wasn't something that I necessarily just like decided one day I was going to, you know, become such a great learner. Um, it was an accumulation of all these experiences I've had through undergrad, whether it be um, like learning model UN from scratch in first year when everyone else has like high school knowledge of it and eventually going on to, to uh, become president. That took like a long amount of time to be able to finally reach that point. And I sort of like took lessons from that and continuously like kept on learning and kept on telling myself that the only way um, you can seek opportunities to grow is if you open your mindset to like learning about different experiences around you. That's true. That's true. I love it. I love it. I love it. You're right. Can you, um, can you tell us what you like advocate for within all of the knowledge that you choose to learn? Definitely. Um, so a lot of my advocacy surrounds the Tamil Nation um, and the recognition of justice, the recognition of, of, of um, justice and accountability for uh, the genocide that took place 11 years ago and throughout the ethnic warfare that happened in Sri Lanka. Um, and so that takes many forms. I've participated in several protests. I've I've uh, led many class discussions, as Daniela knows. Um, <laughs> and I've also created um, several community events and opportunities for young women to come and learn on the Tamil cause. So a lot of my advocacy rests on um, social media, for a lack of better explanation because it's very much centered around um, raising awareness for what had taken place in Sri Lanka and also talking about the lived realities that uh, many Tamil civilians still experience to this day back in Sri Lanka as a result of the ethnic war that ended in 2009. Um, And so when it comes to advocacy, that is generally my main area of concern. I also, um, in my academic advocacy efforts, look into the uh, effects of neocolonialism and uh, neocapitalism as it exists today, um, and how that takes form on like female bodies, and how women and children interact with um, neocolonial structures of oppression that have existed over time. I also um, look at different ways in which we Um, pursue advocacy efforts within um, our communities that we live in. So to this extent, I serve as a director of equity on an organization called Ally Squared, where we lead several anti-oppression and equity-based allyship trainings. Um, So it's, it's very much all over the place, but those are like my three areas of concern that I look at, and I'm always looking for places to help and provide any sort of assistance for. No, I really, I love how passionate you are about the issues you involve yourself in. Mm-hmm. And I think we need people that choose like a specific cause to advocate for. Cause mm-hmm. there's something, one of my professors had said this, um, semester just kind of more as an inspirational thing to say to us at the beginning of the class, because, uh, we dealt, we, so, we went over quite a few issues in the class and a lot of people would be like, Oh, I feel so depressed after this class. But, it, um, 
just because at least in international development, you kind of go over quite a few issues that are going on globally. And at times people get like really down about what they can do in terms of how to resolve or address these issues. So one thing she said was um, to choose your issue, like what you're passionate about and what you really want to spend your time working on to try and advocate for or help out or address in a way or tackle, if you want to say. Um, and yeah, choose your thing. And that's good. Like everyone has to have their thing. And then that makes you feel better a lot of the time because not everyone can, you can't go and save the entire world. Like, but if we have quite a few people um, doing that, choosing one thing and sticking to their cause and what they want to advocate for um, as you're doing in that way, it's really inspirational because we can have quite a few issues being addressed on like a global scale in that way. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of Ally Squared, um, I had heard about it and I wanted to know how you got involved with that. So Aswa, the founder, actually reached out to me um, back in November because we were good friends before this. We had met through Model UN and we just we meet up casually to talk about everything that's angering us about this world. And <laughs> it's interesting that you brought up what your professor said, though, because um, what we've learned over time as an organization is that those feelings and those emotions and that sadness does not dissipate when you choose to just focus in on one subject as well. You can get so immersed in it that they continue to permeate the way that you look at life. Um, but it's okay, you know, especially in an era of this pandemic, so many people are experience that, that kind, experiencing that kind of isolation, sadness, that, that lack of control, and that's okay. Like experiencing them, working through those emotions and being able to, um, being able to come out of it a stronger and better activist and someone who is well aware of the emotional toll that activism takes on you, I think returns a lot of strength. But anyways, while we were discussing <laughs> those, those matters, Aswa mm -hmm. mentioned that she was starting this organization called <laughs> Ally Squared to foster um, allyship within our communities and also look at the way allyship can be very performative. Um, and we really wanted to create something that was action-based and actively deconstructing systems of oppression around us. Um, systems that, like racist systems, systems that prioritize um, uh, that prioritize like the value of money over a person, systems of white supremacy, systems of, of neo-colonial power. We wanted to have an active role in dismantling them and talking about the reality and how it permeates in our regular life. So um, she started this organization and then joining as director of equity, um, my job and my tasks were to essentially talk about what equity actually means and do enough research so that we know that our organization is seeking methods to um, create sustainable um, and sustainable and structurally like it's just a sustainable change that was um, moving the structures that we thought were concrete in our world. I think that's so important. Um, yeah, because a lot of my research in university was done about the machismo culture and how that permeates within um, a lot of the government institutions, whether it be like the judicial system or even the law enforcement mm -hmm. um, and just like the legal system in general, really. And yeah, it was super discouraging to really see how there's there are measures in place. However, they're not being acted upon or they're not being implemented properly. Uh, so it's really nice to see that people are actually taking action on that and doing something about it to 
handle these issues that we see that aren't right and shouldn't be happening in our modern day. Um, Sierra, is your mic doing okay? Yeah. Are you recording? I'm just taking it all in. Okay. Perfect. No. (laughs) I am. It's not necessarily, I'm not like blind to the world, but it's just so intriguing that there are so many people who advocate for things that aren't necessarily the typical like things to advocate for you know like I'm since I live in the states there's like five things people usually advocate for women's rights republicanism and like (laughs) three other things and it's just so nice to hear like something else other than like the regular thing that there are so many people in this world that like we've talked to that do something else with their time that really can make a difference it might be a small difference but like it's a difference so how did you go really about like choosing your path to follow you know so there's like wow I'm I'm sorry it's not like an easy question I know no I just um I'm trying to collect my thoughts but I think that what's been very like distinct for me in choosing a path um is like my personal history with the struggle that I advocate for and also like my parents stories of being able to raise me and my sister um in Canada has informed like the reason that I've chosen the certain causes that I care about and chosen to advocate for them I'm right now being a student activist and being someone who is actively considering pursuing academia full-time um definitely a lot of what's inspired me to propel that forward is this belief that um there needs to be more women and particularly women of color who are able to bring um um like not just it doesn't just rest in representation but a more unique perspective to uh, the realm of academia that extends beyond how we look at it as something that, that, you know, more like elitist people do. So like being involved in um, several academic pursuits over the course of my undergrad has taught me that um, I feel like I deserve a presence in that world. And I also feel like Um, my life experiences and what I've navigated with growing up and what my parents and what um, their parents have navigated with, whether it be surviving uh, the ethnic war, being able to flee, being able to build a life here, and then then also um, people still living back there, has informed my ideas of what to pursue in the future. Um, So essentially, um, what keeps me motivated is the fact that I know Personally, um, my end goal is to be able to um, create monumental change for um, my community back home and also to be able to raise awareness on the plight of those that are continuously suffering to this day. Um, And so, I don't know, I think it's a lot to do with my family, my history, my um the community of people I surround myself with but also like the future that I imagine for um, my children and my children's children how would you suggest other people to go about a path like finding their own path 
mm-hmm. knowing that like say somebody did have like the same wants as you do and but they're like too scared to go about something where would you suggest them to start within yourself there is so much like it's beautiful how much our bodies in like truly embody the stories of our ancestors and the stories of how we arrived on this land and how we are creating this like beautiful future for our for future generations and i think that by by, by being able to give yourself some time yourself some time to self reflect and to truly um reach into your your mind and your heart and ask yourself like what motivates me what makes me want to get up and fight every day uh what structures do i seek to obliterate in my existence and what do i want to raise awareness on during my time and how do i see that being reflected in the space and the communities around me who can i reach out to to have these type of conversations like personally for me a lot of my um a lot of like my first three years of undergrad were spent um, Facebook or like Instagram stalking. I don't know if that's the right <laughs> word. But like looking up really amazing activists and being like, wow, like what motivates you? And for them, it was like so personal, you know? Um, and I then I was able to muster up the courage to be like, hey, you know, I really like the work that you do. Can I just ask you a couple of questions and sit down with you? And um, without fail, every time I sat down with someone that inspired me, they would cite their personal journey and their family's journey and um, as a reason to why they do the work they do today. So I honestly think that having a good conversation with people that you feel safe around, it doesn't necessarily have to be your family. It could be anyone within your community, your your circle, your professors, um, and trying to truly find out what like makes you want to wake up and, and, and continue um like continue fighting is is definitely the first step to figuring out what you're passionate about. I think that's such a powerful message in the sense that um, I think personalizing your path, as you said, finding Mm -hmm. something that resonates with you is so important. And also that I think connects to your identity because I think that has um, a huge impact in what you choose to do. Maybe not always, but at least for me, I do share that. I find that things that are closer to what I identify with, whether it be like cultural or even like in terms of my degree or something, what I'm studying or what I'm passionate about um, has definitely helped me choose the path I want to follow. It's so like, it's so good listening to you guys. Like I didn't like grow up like learning about like advocating or like being close to like who your family was or like, identity wise and it's just so much fun to listen to you guys talk about like how like dedicated you are to bring awareness to the backgrounds that you guys come from and it's so much fun sorry I'm not saying a lot (laughs) I'm I'm like taking this all in because like it's something I am so not used to and like so out of my comfort zone it's amazing to hear it is amazing to hear Aww. I love it. Sierra, you're <laughs> crying. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Getting emotional. I love. I, I really do. Because um, 
when I was in first year, I delivered this like mock TED talk to um, our student federation at the time. I love that. Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) And it was called Preserving Your Identity While Facing Storms of Adversity. And I have no idea why my first year self named it something that confusing. I was like, (laughs) oh, like this is a nice title. And I was talking about sexual assault awareness on campus. Um, But I had framed the presentation as an open letter to my future um, child a non-binary child to be able to um, advocate for those that are victims of sexual assault, but also like name and shame and point out um, those that are like sexual abusers. And it's important to know that as a bystander, like you have a role within that interaction. And uh, being a survivor myself, I think that while I was delivering that presentation, I didn't necessarily think that... um, the title would like reverberate into other parts of my life. But like, yeah, you tend to lose a sense of identity in yourself when you're met with like everything that your late teenage, your late teenage years and your early twenties gives you, you know, it's really easy to lose yourself and fall into what others tell you your activism or change should look like. Um, But I think that at a certain point, everyone sort of finds their way back to who they um who they truly believed in at a certain point and who they see themselves becoming um, and being able to like grasp onto that identity and be um, dedicated to its growth and development, I think is something that is really precious. And I, I, I wish you the best, Sierra. Thank you. <laughs> I love this. I'm having so much fun. Uh, what has been your favorite thing that you've done? For advocacy was it like a specific protest or like a a mock TED talk a presentation what was what has been like your utmost favorite thing that you've done like that you're most proud of like ever anything oh I have so many things (laughs) (laughs) not to be cocky but I feel like I really enjoy everything that I do but I think the most recent favorite thing I did was host a reading group for young Thelma women at U Ottawa, um, University of Ottawa in Ottawa, Canada. Um, but <laughs> we hosted a reading group on the Thelma struggle, and it was predominantly young Thelma women that came out um, every like two weeks on a Tuesday night, and we would have a list of readings that we would get done before then, and have these very like personal, intense conversations, not only about the subject at hand, but how we saw it playing out in our family's lives. So we'd share a lot of personal stories about how our families navigated trauma. Um, And at the same time, it was very healing because we, being in an activist space like the Thummel struggle is very difficult because it's existed for a very long time. And with it comes like um, the general history of, of, of the struggle and also this like sense that you don't know enough to participate so being able to create that kind of space and then learn from each other within that space that's what made it like really 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 memorable for me um there's definitely been evenings where like we've 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 teared up and we've had really difficult conversations but it's something I'm really proud of because um unlike like the several extracurriculars I've been in uh, I've 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 had in history with um, here, even though it was a smaller group of people, I really felt like um, we were bringing in elements of their everyday life and giving it a sort of like 
background foundation in knowledge and so they were learning a lot about themselves and I was learning a lot about themselves. So it was this beautiful like knowledge transfer that I hope to continue on in the future. So that's definitely something recently I'd be very proud of. I would be proud of it too. It's power. That is, <laughs> I think, the most powerful thing I have heard in a long time. For did, How did you make it? Did you just like make a Facebook group? Was it people that like you knew already? How did you, how did you get the word out to people? So I work, with, I work with an organization called People's Equality and Relief Lanka, Pearl, and um, they host these reading groups in Toronto. But I was okay. like, hey, let's do one in Ottawa. So we just put out feelers and they joined for that biweekly session. Um, and yeah, that's how we continued it. Canada has so many cool things. <laughs> it's crazy. It's you wild. Visit Daniela and I. Yeah, I know. See us and then join. <laughs> like, Hey guys, let me, let's go eat some good vegan food. I'm not vegan, but I only know vegan things ever. But oh my gosh, that is so powerful. Oh my gosh. I could just, I bet there that like stuff is happening here in Colorado. I'm just not like out there in the world to see it go down. And I wish I was. Like, I wish, like, that's something that we were capable of doing right now. Like, I wish we could see each other face-to-face, like, how the group you run does. Or, like, have you guys been meeting on, like, Zoom or, like, anything like that? Been keeping in touch over Zoom and a lot of Facebook Messenger. And, yeah, how are you guys finding it with all of this, like, online, switch to online? Is it difficult? Do you guys find that it's making more opportunities to connect? Yes. I will say I talk to less people. Like I mm-hmm. rarely talk to my friends. The only person I like talk to like regularly is my therapist and my boyfriend. And sometimes my parents, but I have learned to try and broaden who I talk to right now just because like I'm looking for a little bit more personalization with experiences that Mm -hmm. if they benefit me they benefit me like success and like work wise and like that kind of realm wise but if not I really just want to get different friends that I wouldn't have had the opportunity to just like Danielle and I are now (laughs) friends and I literally just like did something on a whim and decided to take everything as a gift Instead of, oh, that's not, like, good enough for me or, like, that's not what I want. But it's it's been really hard, for sure. I'm, like, such an extrovert, too, that, like, I work at a gym and literally all I do at work is talk to people. Like, that's it. I'm, like, hey, I can name every single person's name and, like, I know what, like, workouts they're doing that day, what split they're doing, and I, like, come talk to them while they're working out. And it's been, like, super hard to be an extrovert not being able to see somebody face to face for sure yeah I think like for me I had quite a hard time at the beginning when like the semester was still kind of going on luckily my classes were set up more or less to end more with online submissions so it wasn't necessarily that I was missing out on class or having to learn through like a screen really as much um but yeah, like I enjoy kind of having to go to school and like socialize with my peers because a lot of the time you have like your school friends, right? And then you have like your friends like back in your neighborhood. 
Um, but yeah, so I, it was hard at first, but I think I'm getting more used to it now, maybe. Like, it's just become more of a norm now since it's just been over, way over a month. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. and I think it's given me, it's kind of been a blessing in disguise because it's given me quite a few opportunities to branch out, like meet someone like Sierra. And I think it's so nice to see how, um, having you come on, for example, has kind of taught, I see how Sierra reflects and how she's thinking about it. And I, I love that we're building more connections here through this. Um, even though I hope to like soon go back to being able to see people face to face, like that would be nice. Like I love spending time with my family and everything, but sometimes you just, it's nice to be able to socialize in person, go grab a coffee or something. I really will appreciate that moving forward, being able to go to a coffee shop when everything returns back to normal. But yeah, I really love like the connections we're making here. Yeah. How are you finding it? How are you doing? Um, I echo your sen- both of your sentiments so much because on one hand, being an extrovert, it's extremely difficult for me to be home um, and try not to um, fall into that trap of just talking to a couple of people and not really like broadening my, my um, ability to like have conversations, but it's also given me an opportunity to recognize um the amount of privilege that I have to be in a house um and safe and um with my family during the uh pandemic and also be able to self-isolate and like for everyone to be healthy like so many privilege that are privileges that are afforded to me um and I also think that it's been giving me a lot of um space to be able to uh, invest my time in, in in talking to those that I really care about and you know meeting you too which was absolutely fantastic um so I think that it's it's been it's given me certain ups and downs but I think the biggest lesson I've gotten from it is all of the emotions you feel all of the anger the frustration the sadness is okay and that like we collectively feel it and we are collectively working toward something I hope we're collectively working towards something. I think that knowing we're all together and knowing that this is something everyone can um, empathize on definitely makes it a bit more bearable. Yeah, I think it definitely helps. It's like, it's, yeah, like a bit, not, it doesn't fully compensate for all of it. But I mean, just because like we're human beings, right? So like socializing is just in our nature. But um, yeah, I think it, it's like definitely a communal struggle and that way we all can like branch together from it. So you being involved in so many great causes and being such a great activist and in advocacy as well. And, and a role model really for young women in that way, I believe, like I see you that way as a role model, really. Um, where do you want to go in the future? Like what's kind of the path you're looking towards at? Um. Thank you. That means a lot, Daniela. Um, I, I, right now, am in the phase of looking toward academia as my next route of um, investing my energy and efforts for advocacy into. I really want to be able to understand, like, the elitist nature of academia and really, like, take a wrecking ball (laughs) to it because, I completely understand anyone that like finishes their undergrad doesn't even want to go into undergrad because they're like that stuff is too elitist it does not talk about like um 
lived experiences with the amount of respect and like the mutual respect that they deserve, I completely understand that narrative. So in my perspective, what I want to move forward with is academia, but I want to pursue it from a very like community specific angle from very, um, from a very like lived experience perspective. So a lot of what informs my academia moving forward is um, my thesis. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm going into uh, an MA degree for social justice education, but it's thesis based. So the thesis I'm working on currently um, is talking about the visibility politics of Tamil women in the Canadian immigration system and how they navigated the Canadian immigration system from the 1970s up until the 2010s. Um, And I'm really wanting to, I'm, currently involved in a project where I speak with Tamil women that have come here as refugees or immigrants and talk about the ways in which they were given social services or not given social services to really build communities, um, support those around them and their loved ones that were experiencing PTSD, um, or even receive some sort of therapy or institutional support. Most of the times, these uh, many women did not receive um, any of these supports from the government, but several times they embodied the kind of resilience and strength um, that we cannot even fathom in our current experience or current existence to create and foster communities of like um, young Tamil children and like future generations that would be able to one day grow into like really powerful leaders. So um, a lot of my thesis is based off of their stories and their experiences. Um, And it's comparing that to current literature that already exists on the erasure of indigenous women from Canadian indigenous policy. Yeah, it's a bit of a long winded theory, but that's, that's where my general path is. No, but I love that you're making connections in that way from your identity, right? But piecing it to a part of like Canadian identity in that way. I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. And as we know, like um, with indigenous women, there's a lot of issues that aren't addressed as much as they need to be within Canada. So I'm really glad that you're bringing attention to that as well in your thesis. Me too. (laughs) There's definitely so many scholars that that do the work as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just glad. I'm so glad that it's, yeah, that it's being talked about really. Thank you. (laughs) I was gonna try and like think of like a really good yeah. <laughs> oh, this should be a Facebook live. This should be live. A live, like, my, <laughs> live on like, Facebook. Thoughts, my everything. Oh wow, that's so cool. That's so cool that you like you're doing like a. I don't know the difference between like under like I know what post grad means and I know what like undergrad means, but mm-hmm. I didn't know that there was like different kinds. And I think that you choosing to do it like a mm-hmm. thesis base like course because you guys do like courses right like like yeah like our undergrad is courses and then I think some places you can choose for your fourth year to do like a thesis um before graduating Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't choose that I don't know I didn't do that I don't know if you Ottawa hasn't really made it super apparent in that way I don't find um but yeah for your master's you can either choose to do it through courses or through thesis which she has chosen to do it through thesis but that is yeah that is brave (laughs) <laughs> that is, I think that is brave from like the only people who I've had in my life that I've ever written a thesis was my like senior year English teacher who was oh, wow. also like a comedian at the same time who got his doctorate. Love Great that guy. for him. Mr. Vaugh. <laughs> wow. He's really funny. Shout out. Um, 
And he was, like, working on his doctorate during the time that we were also going to school while also doing, like, everything else that he was doing. And it's so interesting that there are enough resources to be able to write something like that and enough emotions to not just write about, oh, watching paint dry on a wall seven pages (laughs) in, you know? Like, it's so amazing that you chose something so close to your heart that you are so passionate about, but you're not making it just about you. You want everybody to be involved. And I think that's, like, what makes yours just a little bit different in the fact that, like, (laughs) it's so community-based and it's so cool. And then one, like, other question, like, one of the last, like, questions we like to ask our guests are, do you have any, like, favorite local businesses or small businesses that you are die hard for, that have a great cause or a great sustainable practice? So my dad owns a small business. <laughs> I <Probably>. love that. <laughs> I think it's really important that you ask this question, though, because the I'm not sure about the United States, but small businesses in Canada have severely been affected by COVID and I've seen that firsthand Um, and the closing down of small businesses because of our stay-at-home orders while necessary is definitely going to impact the way that our communities are able to thrive especially because we've talked a lot at least I've mentioned a lot about the Thumbel community we are a community of small businesses and it's really heartbreaking to see the sort of like financial toll that it takes on many of us. Um, So I would definitely say if any of your viewers are in Toronto and need blinds, it's called Abco Blinds and Services. Sorry, I'm from Toronto, so I'd make that sound all the time, but it's it's called Abco Blinds and Services. You'd be able to find it if you Google it. And at the same time, um, in Ottawa, I'm not sure mm-hmm. if it's a small business, but I love it my is happy sm- yeah. No, like, I consider it local. It's a local oh. business. I'd consider it that. Yeah, 100%. Okay. It's yes. a coffee shop, Sierra, that we are obsessed over. So if you are looking for coffee, hit up Happy yes. Goat in Ottawa. Uh, shout out to you. I miss the dirty <laughs> chai. Please yeah. stay open when I use it. Um, yeah, those are two businesses that I would probably want to give a quick No, thank you. And like, for sure, send us the link for your dad's business and we can put it up with like the episode so people That's can, true. yeah, mm-hmm. get access to it. And then I guess thank our last you. question would be, what message do you want our listeners to take away from this? I was really reflecting on this question when you first sent it to me on uh, in the email. And Personally, if I were to leave any leave your listeners off with any message, it would be to value the importance of stories and lived experiences in the way that we navigate our ideas of success and our ideas of what um, growth looks like. Because the world that we live in right now is very uncertain. When we emerge from this pandemic, um, we're going to be building a world that will hopefully offer a new uh, not even a new, a more safer environment for our future generations. And the only way to do that is to listen to how different people, different communities um, navigated this time and how their histories of navigating struggle have informed the ways in which they learned how to survive. And so I think if one thing I could leave your listeners with is to listen and read and speak 
and look at and watch and study and really take in the stories of the people around you because it changes you in ways that you won't even have words for. So inspiring. <laughs> Literally yeah. so ins- It's just so, it's nice to hear that from someone that, yeah, like how much stories make a difference and how much they can impact you on an individual level. So yeah, that's a really great message. And thank you for sharing that. Also, no thank you for coming on the podcast. We have had so much fun. I have had so much fun learning so much that I didn't know I could. <laughs> and it's been amazing. And if you wanted to take this time to like share your social medias or if anybody wants to connect with you or anybody wants to like make a connection with like your advocacy mm-hmm. issues and things like that, you can say that. Yeah, of course. Um, If anyone was interested in this realm of advocacy, uh, Pearl is definitely a really great organization to check out People's Equality and Relief Lanka, People for Equality and Relief Lanka. Um, So if you look up pearlaction.org, you should be able to find all the information on that. My social media is abarna.salvaraja for Instagram and then abarna underscore selva for um, Twitter. So I think that my name should be up somewhere. But if you wanted to reach out to me, you could definitely hit up Daniela or Sierra. And I am almost always on my laptop. So I'm available to chat. Thank you for having me on your show, guys. You are two powerful women. And I cannot wait to see what the new episodes will bring and i can't wait to see how you guys grow over time so best thank of luck you, thank to you so much and please stay in touch like if you're in ottawa or something i would love to grab a coffee or vice versa if i happen to be in toronto i will definitely reach out to grab a coffee and if sierra ever crosses the border when the border is open we'll definitely yeah set that up or something but yeah oh thank you wonderful. so much for taking the time it's really been a pleasure to talk to you and learn about what you advocate for it and yeah 